Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, I'd like to read for you a little story from the book of Acts today. Um, if you want to turn with me to Acts 28, we'll start at the beginning. I like the way that um, my Bible's titled the, the beginning of this. I mean, that's not in the, in the scripture, but it's titled Paul's Ministry on Malta, which I think is quite funny considering Paul's ministry on Malta was actually he got shipwrecked there on, as he was on his way on a prison ship. And, um, and I love it. God's idea of ministry and our idea of ministry is not necessarily the same thing. Hallelujah. But verse one, it says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. I like the Maltese. I've got a little Maltese dog. <laughs> but this is the island of Malta. And the natives showed an unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom through he has, though he's escaped from the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they'd looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honoured us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. This is Paul's ministry to Malta. I love it. Here he is under Roman guard on a prison ship. A storm breaks out that's so bad that the, the, the boat breaks up. I was talking with some of our partners this morning, and someone asked a question about... You know, how do you know when the grace of God's on you? If, if bad things are happening, is, does that mean the grace is lifted? Well, no. Obviously, this wasn't a great situation for Paul, being in prison, being in a, a horrific storm and um, having a shipwreck. But you know, the Bible tells us that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Just because things aren't going brilliantly doesn't mean that God's not in it. Just because things might be happening that, that seem difficult doesn't mean you are out of the will of God. If you're trying to judge, am I in the will of God by whether things are going well or easy or not, then, then you are not understanding the lives of most everybody in the, in the Bible. Because the Bible tells us that in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Hooray. So we don't change course in the midst of a storm thinking, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Why is this happening? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, 
but the Lord delivers him from them all. So don't be too quick to try and figure out, what have I done wrong? Why is this bad thing happening to me? Why, God, why? When in fact, we live in a world where the enemy hates us, but we can have this glorious confidence that no matter what he tries to throw at us, God will cause it to work for our good. Hallelujah. That in everything we go through, we can sow the pain. I love it. I, I have to have the Holy Spirit remind me sometimes when I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself about certain situations. He reminds me, are you sowing the pain? Because when I sow the pain in faith, according to his word, Isaiah 61, 7, that for my former shame, pain, and disgrace, he'll give me double recompense. Or that for, uh, for, my, former, for my trouble, he'll give me double, 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 double recompense. And so I sow it in faith and I start to remember, oh, thank you, God. Yes, God, this is going to work for our good. Thank you, Father. I give you worship. I bless you that you're going to cause this to work for good. And that's exactly what happened to Paul here on the island of Malta. But you think if, if it's not bad enough that he's been arrested, then shipwrecked, and then um, stranded on an island, as he goes to try and help build the fire, try to do a good thing, a serpent jumps out and bites him and attaches to his hand. And everyone assumes this is the judgment of God. Too often Christians are just like these Maltese that assume something bad happened to you must be the judgment of God. Something we don't know about. That must be judgment. But was it the judgment of God? Absolutely not. In this world we have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've watched and I've seen people, Christians and believers, hurt by hurting themselves or having other people hurt them, hurt them by trying to figure out why that bad thing happened. If someone tried to figure out why that bad thing happened to Paul, you know, they could, they could build a whole ministry of trying to figure it out. Why? Why? Did, was it he sinned or his father sinned or was it this or what? You know, where did he open the door to let that attack come? But it, but it comes. Trouble comes. But God is for us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. So we've got to be careful not to be quick to judge or to try and figure out when something bad happens, why, why God, who, what judgment is happening here? I pray that we never be found guilty of trying to attach judgment to a, a difficult situation that someone finds themselves in. Amen? You're not wearing masks, so you can have loud voices to encourage me. Amen. Preach it, Pastor Catherine. That's good. I love too that this whole situation, as you read the, read the story, Paul's ministry to Malta was not so much about a mission as about being. Paul was just being Paul. Paul, who had been transformed and changed from Saul, who had become Paul, who was a new creation, who had Christ living in him, Paul was just being Paul. He, they, were, they were building a fire. He didn't sit back and just 
enjoy it. He, he went and he got in and he was serving. He was helping. Even though it says by their kindness, they were kindling the fire. So he just did what Paul did. Jumped in and served. Did what, this is what believers do. This is what my life looks like. And then when he gets bitten, he just shakes it off without any cuss words or anything. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He was being a believer, right? And, and then when someone was, when they went to visit the um, most prominent person on the island, the chief or whoever it might have been, and they found out that their father was sick, he just did what Paul did. Oh, such as I have, I can give. Can I pray for you? He prayed, he was made well, and then all of a sudden, everybody on the island wants to get healed, and God gets glorified, the name of Jesus is preached, and Christ comes to that island, hallelujah. What the enemy meant to destroy and sideline Paul ended up for the salvation of the whole island, hallelujah. Because when we be who we're called to be in every situation, God will do what he has designed us to do, hallelujah, in that situation. So if you're looking, what's my mission? What's my ministry? Be Jesus. Be who you've been called to be. Do what you've been called to do. And the gift will make way for the good news of the gospel to be preached, hallelujah. Magnificent Jesus. I remember um, years ago, Going to, I think, is it the Gold Coast Indy? And they got really, really loud cars. Around and around, very fast. I watched for quite a long time. And then I went and I had a little rest from the noise. And I went and I went out into the park, out in the back. And because it was so loud, I just sat uh, on um, a chair and I just sang at the top of my voice. I was praising God, worshiping Jesus, because no one could hear, because the indie cars, you know, going really loud. And this guy just comes up to me after a while he, and he says, Excuse me, you're glowing. Why are you so happy? And I had the opportunity right there in a very loud voice, to lead him to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it wasn't about being on a mission. It was about being. Being who we're called to be, lovers of Jesus, enjoying Jesus, our highest purpose in life. What is success? And I thought about it and I thought, to enjoy the sweet fellowship of God like this, all the days of their life. That is my definition of success for my kids. If, if they can enjoy unbroken, sweet fellowship with God all the days of their life, that's it. That's it. They are successful. That is, that is it. The Westminster Catechism, as you may know, or not catechism, but the, the, uh, in Westminster, they came up with a, a saying as they boiled it all down. What is the chief end of man? And they came up with this. They said, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you boil down all the scripture and come to the crux of what is, what is the, the chief end of man? What is success? What is 
the purpose? What's the meaning of life? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Hallelujah. And if we just learn what it looks like to be lovers of Him, who live lives of daily fellowship with Him, we will produce much fruit, and God will open doors of favor and opportunity for the gospel where we will fulfill the mandate and the purpose on our lives, which is to glorify Him, hallelujah, and enjoy Him in the process. You know, I, I love that Malta was not some place that Paul had planned to be. It wasn't part of the plan. But right there in the situation, he just lived out Jesus. You see the same thing when he and Silas were thrown into prison, beaten, horribly beaten. I'm sure there might have been some religious people going, well, there must be judgment. See now, see, God shut them down, thrown them into the depths of a prison. Must be, see, I knew they knew they were of God all the way. You know, you could, you could have a judgmental attitude or you could recognize that though the enemy works hard to try to bring discouragement, to try to throw nasty things at people, God is for us, so who can be against us? And in the depths of the prison, instead of getting depressed and discouraged, they went deliberately into, into praise and worship. They began to sing. They began to rejoice. They began to praise God. And all the prisoners listened. This is remarkable. What are they doing? Why are they worshiping, praising God? What's going on? How can this happen? And then all of a sudden, the whole prison shook. All the chains fell off. And a ministry opportunity happened. They were able to leave the entire family of the jailer to Jesus. And God was glorified. So instead of judging your circumstance and then trying to figure out, well, is there grace on this? I don't know. Is there grace on this? Why not instead recognize that every day, no matter what situation you may find yourself in, God is ready to make it work for your good. Amen? Hallelujah. Speaking of snakes and poisonous snakes, I was talking with Meg Williamson this week. And she said, well, we live on a farm. Uh, we have a cow. Tom plans to get some more sheep, which would be nice. We have sheep next door. And um, Meg said, do you, do you ever get poisonous snakes? Aren't you ever worried about snakes? And I said, oh, no, I banned them. She said, what? Pardon? I said, no, I, I banned poisonous snakes on the property when we moved in. And I did. I just, as we moved in, I just made a decision. I felt the faith of God come on me. I said, I just ban, I ban any poisonous snakes on our property in Jesus' name. And we've been there, I think, 12, 13 years now. And we have never had a poisonous snake on the property. We've had carpet snakes and green tree snakes, which I'm quite happy with because they eat mice and rats and that's great. But never had a poisonous snake, except once we found a dead little white crown snake, but it was dead. And next door, they've had brown snakes across the road. They've had brown snakes. His mother, Tom's mother, who lives a few doors up, said a brown snake coiled up beside her bed one morning. I mean, 
And we've never seen a poisonous snake. I don't say that to boast or brag, but the Lord reminded me that just as we ta- I've taken authority over poisonous snakes on my property, God wants us to be dealing with the poisonous snakes that come against us on a regular basis, against our minds, against our hearts. When someone comes and they, I, I've had this where I feel actually bitten by a poisonous snake. Someone will come and say something about someone else that they've said this about you and I'll feel like, ow, ow. And if I don't shake it off, that thing just sticks on and injects poison into my heart and starts making me think badly of that person. And I haven't even gone to them to check out the story or I've just bought in to some report, evil report that someone's brought about them that's sticking with me and and poisoning my heart. And I've had to discipline myself. Hey, wait a minute, that's a poisonous snake. True or not, I can't verify that right now, so I am shaking that thing off. It is not pure and lovely and of a good report. And God is for me anyway, so who can be against me? So no, I'm not going to have that thought. Not going to tolerate it in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We need to learn to shake off the poisonous snakes. We've got lots of birds too, which I enjoy, but we have kookaburras. I love kookaburras. They laugh and they eat snakes. And I think that is just profoundly prophetic for our nation, that God wants us to be a people who, like God, who sits in heaven and laughs at the enemy's plans. You know, I'm plotting to do this, and we're going to do this. And the, he says the kings of the earth are all plotting, and they're, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to make war, and we're going to do this. And God's up there. It says, scripture says in Psalm 2, the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. And it's a laugh of derision, actually. Like, really? (laughs) You really think you're going to do that? You think I'm going to let you do? No. And we need to be like that. We need to be like the kookaburra that just laughs. Like, (laughs) I see you and I know what's coming for you. Hallelujah. We need to be vigilant and we need to be disciplined to deal with it and not tolerate it. We need to shake it off and not let it pump poison into our system. What are the poisonous snakes that are trying to attach to you right now? You might be having your happy day in peace and joy, and then you get a phone call. Ouch, that feels like a poisonous snake. You need to deal with it like Paul. Just shake it off and pay it no more attention. And the glorious thing is, it did him no harm. It was a supernatural protection because he shook it off. Hallelujah. And in the same way, if you'll be intentional to shake off the poisonous darts, the poisonous snakes that the enemy would try to bring into your life, God will come in and he will bring supernatural power and supernatural strength. We need to pick up the sword of the Spirit in the name of Jesus and shake off those serpents in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe it's really important that we deal with these things because if we don't, it builds up strongholds in our minds. I was praying this week and I was trying to express what I was seeing, but 
negative thoughts and difficult things and, you know, the, the replays of the enemy, of regrets and things that the enemy would love to bring against you, fears, worries, anxieties, what if this happens, what if that happens? You, you have a, a, an anxiety or a fear or a worry or a regret or condemnation come. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't shake it off, if you don't bring the sword of the Spirit and cut it down in Jesus' name by coming against it, saying, I'm not tolerating that devil in the name of Jesus. This is the truth of what God says. Then it just sticks there. And then another one comes and joins to it and starts to build a narrative and then another one comes and joins to it. And another one comes and joins to it. And pretty soon you are fenced in by a whole uh, fence of negative thoughts, of fears, of concerns, of worries, of regrets. And the enemy builds this track that, that limits your ability to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. But just like I banned snakes on my property... We need to guard the garden of our heart and ban the poisonous thoughts, ban the negative thoughts, ban the fears and not tolerate them. Because if you tolerate it, it will invite its friends. And pretty soon you've got a stronghold instead of just one thought. So, but the good news is if you've been under siege by some strongholds that are like historically coming against you, the enemy came against Jesus and every time he did, he picked up the sword of the Spirit and he spoke the word of the Lord. It is written. And I love it. The Bible says, and then the enemy left him for a time. I'm like, that's cool. The enemy actually got tired of fighting. Is the enemy tired of fighting or is he just having a heyday in your brain, in your heart? It's good news. If you will react with the sword of the Spirit every time He comes to discourage you or bring a negative thought or a, a lie or a fear or a regret or whatever it is that isn't pure, lovely and of a good report, righteousness, peace and joy. If you bring the Word of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit against it every time, He will just get tired and walk away and try to come back another time. You don't have to live constantly under siege. If you go on the offensive, God will fight your battles for you. Hallelujah. Magnificent Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us into a season of laying hold of what's been laid hold of for us. And what's been laid hold of for you are all the promises of God, are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I was thinking to myself the other day and thinking, God, I've had a whole day where I haven't sinned. This is cool, God. Where I haven't had, I haven't entertained one negative thought, one, I haven't entertained one fearful thought. Then I realized, this is good, God. I want to be conscious. I want to be consciously aware of actually living in overcoming. I haven't had, I haven't had, on this day, I was thinking to myself, I haven't had one time where I've let myself go down a track of getting 
uptight or anxious or concerned about, about something, I have actually maintained peace all day long. Praise the Lord. Or you might think that doesn't sound like much of an achievement, but for me, I was very excited about this. And I got so much joy to think, hey, this is how we are called to always live. It doesn't mean that I don't have thoughts because I've got to deal with situations all the time and people. But I, that day I was thinking, I didn't let any of them land. Praise the Lord. This, is, this feels good. It's not self-righteousness. It's, a, it's an invitation to consciously be aware that, hey, we have to guard the garden of our hearts so that we can live in this place of intentional freedom every single day. Tomorrow, I want to encourage you, don't let a single one land. Don't let a single one land and take any of your time or any of your um, strength in the name of Jesus. Pick up the sword of the Spirit. Use it against every wicked thing that would try to come against you. Answer it with the word of the Lord and walk in freedom. Amen.